Welcome to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the power of your mind creates your world. Sarah Blakely is going to join us. She's the founder of Spanx, and people might have heard she was just recently uh, featured in the March 2012 uh, cover of Forbes magazine. She's the youngest self-made female billionaire, not millionaire, we're talking B, billionaire in the world. And she's also been named Ernst & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year and Georgia's Woman of the Year, and just really an inspiring story. And she was very inspired by you as she was coming up in the world. So I believe we have Sarah here on the phone, so I wanted to bring her on. Are you there, Sarah? I am. I am. It's such a pleasure. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Wayne. (laughs) Out of all the things I've manifested in my life, this is one of the coolest. (laughs) Getting to talk to you. I've been listening to you since I'm 16, so to get a phone call and and actually speak to you is cool. It's really cool. It's cool for me, too, because, uh, you know, about 10 days ago or so, I know you you were on the cover of... Forbes magazine, and I start getting all of these uh, people telling me that uh, there's this uh, lady out there who's, uh, you know, this is a very well-known businesswoman, entrepreneur, and uh, she was on uh, Martha Stewart, and she was talking about it, and then she was on the Today Show, and then she mentioned, and every time you would t- say something, I would get, all of my kids would call up, my daughter Serena called me this morning, <clears throat> and she said, you are interviewing and talking to Sarah, uh, Sarah Blakely today. She said, you tell her that I want her to put me in billionaire training. <laughs> <I> said, <"Okay." laughs> so wow, she's listening so, right now in New York. So she's cool. a, and, uh, and then you were the person of the week, uh, on, uh, with Diane Sawyer and they, they played a little something I did back, I think probably before you were born. It was, uh, 1976. Um, and it was, um, a, a something called How to Be a No Limit Person. And it's very interesting. I, I wasn't even going to record. This was when cassettes were just first coming out and getting very popular. And, uh, and they asked me if I, they could record it and I wasn't going to let them do it. And then finally at the last minute, I said, Oh, go ahead. And, uh, we created this, uh, uh it was a six cassette, uh, uh series. Uh, on how to, on becoming a no limit person, having a growing up uh, and having within you this whole idea that uh, there doesn't have to be limitations, and that thing has become this huge uh, s- set of tapes uh, that was done by uh, Nightingale Conan. It's now in CDs. Anyway, from what I was told, your father was uh, uh, very instrumental in encouraging you to think differently than than other kids, and maybe you can share with our audience and maybe take a couple of questions because I get questions all the time on this show that I do every week with people saying they can't do this and it's impossible and the brakes aren't going for them and the economy is uh, in the toilet and I can't do this and and there's so so many folks out there whose inner world is uh, contaminated by beliefs about their limitations so maybe you can tell us a little bit about it and just I just want to thank you and also for giving me so, so much credit uh, because Basically, it all really belongs to you. Well, um, you know, I I was 16 years old, and I had been going. I went through a really tough time. My parents got separated, and I watched one of my best friends run over by a car. And my father, when he you know was having to move out, he came into my bedroom and handed me this cassette series, "How to Be a No Limit Person" by Wayne Dyer, and then left. And I just remember, you know, you came into my life at a point where I think my life could have gone one way or another. And I listened to that series so much, Wayne, that I actually memorized all 10 tapes. 
I mean, I had them. Is that right? I had them verbatim, mm. and it became kind of a running joke in my high school. Nobody wanted to get trapped in my car because <laughs> it was always playing, and I would always say, no, I've got five minutes with you, you know, taking you home from this party. You're going to listen to this. It's life-changing. And um, I even took it to my principal of the, of the high school and said, why aren't we teaching young people how to think? You know, can you please introduce mm-hmm. this series even one hour a week in their curriculum, and I think it would change all of their, the course of their lives. So, so my dad had started listening to it, and he basically just said, Sarah, I wish that I, I had discovered this at your age and didn't have to wait till I was 40 years old to discover this. Mm. And that was just powerful for me at that time. I started listening to it, and um, it, it Tell changed me, Sarah, the course of my life. What uh, it's interesting. Two things that inspire me when you're saying this. One is uh, I want to talk to you about what it was that you, um, th- what the message was that was so profound for you. But also there was something inside of you that said this isn't just for me. Um, and I think that's a really important. It's an important part of my life and what I teach right now with my films and and and, and uh, lectures and where I am in my life at the age of seventy one which is it's uh, it's not just for me to get uh, have a better life but it's like you just you felt so inspired to have your friends know about it to have your principal know about it to have uh, your family know about it what was what was going on inside as a young girl what uh, because this is what i think of, of what leadership is really about it's not not so much about how you know what's in it for me it's what how may i serve how can i take this information and use it to make a difference. It seemed like that was really going on for you very heavily. Well, it was. And, I mean, I think the interconnectedness of us all and your teachings and your speaking about it just created such a deep awareness in me and resonated with me, such truth. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like that was, you know, part of also why I just... and, And the profound impact it had on me for the better and just the wanting to have other people experience that. But, you know, the main lesson, I think... You know, it just, it it did so much for me. It really did. But one of the main things is, you know, things don't happen by accident. There's intention and purpose in everything. Where is the hidden blessing? It's, you can't control happening in your life, but you can certainly control how you process them. And that Mm -hmm. liberated me so much at a time that I was so and all of these external things were happening to me with my parents' divorce, my friend dying, you know, then I experienced mm. death of a few other friends briefly, you know, after that. And um, it kept me going on the path. Instead of letting myself become defeated at that time in my life, I just trained my brain to think, where's the hitting blessing? Where's the opportunity? You know, it's just, it was so, it was so important mm. for me. I don't know if you've ever heard me, sir, to, uh, to speak. I know you came. To, I think you came to the premiere of my film, I, The Shift, didn't you, in, in Los Angeles? I did, and I've only heard yeah. you live once in Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. In the, um, mm. you know, a couple years after I invented Spanx, everyone in my life knows I love you because I've been giving mm. how to be a no limit person as birthday gifts and wedding gifts and any kind of gift since for 20 years. And mm. every new employee that gets hired at Spanx gets that series. And I've heard that. 
Yeah, so um, so he, my boyfriend at the time bought plane tickets for us for my birthday and surprised me and flew me down to Fort Lauderdale, and I heard you speak, and and then at the end I waited in line like everyone else and took a mm. snapshot with you, but that's the only time we've actually ever met. Mm. Wow. It's interesting what you say, and I want to just re- reflect on this a moment, that, um, you know, that you're talking about... Um, wait, wait, Circumstances come into your life that there's nothing you can do about them. Your parents getting a divorce. Uh, you saw. You said you saw somebody, a friend of yours, uh, go through a horrible trade. Was was run over by a car. Uh, it, it it reminds me of um, a story I've have told and I'm writing about a little bit about right now in the book that I'm going to do next year. Um, when I was in uh, in Vienna in 1978, and I was uh, blessed to be on a panel with a man named Viktor Frankl. I don't know if you've heard of Viktor Frankl or not. Yes. He um, he wrote Man's Search for Meaning and, mm-hmm. and you know, talked about the interconnectedness of things. When I was in college myself as a young doctoral student, um, one of my, my professors was uh, Dr. Mildred Peters, and she insisted that all of us read this book. And it was it was his story of him being in a concentration camp in Auschwitz and being lifted out of his uh, uh in his home in Berlin, they took away everything that he had, and, and he became a prisoner. and And he said to me at this uh, conference uh, for young presidents organization in uh, in Vienna that when you're, um, he said, when you are confronted with circumstances that um, that you can't do anything about, and it will happen a lot in your life, he said, at that moment. We are challenged to uh, to change ourselves. If you can't change the the circumstances, we can change ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that was what taught me that lesson. And now it comes to you. And now you're telling me that you tell your employees this very same kind of of lesson yourself. That the economy can be bad. That uh, you know you can lose your job. That uh, someone can someone can have an accident that's close to you. But inside of you, there's something, there's something divine that uh, that no one can take away from you. It's true, and um, mm. you know, just I, just listening to your message and the way that you packaged it for me at that time in my life changed the tint on my glasses. It just had me. So from that point forward. You know, and I say this when I give speeches about running and starting a business, every day is obstacles. Every day something is thrown your way. And because I'm so trained to go, where's the hidden blessing? Where's the opportunity? You know, I feel like just time and time again, I'm not dealt any more or less, you know, blows. I think we all have stuff in our life. But I feel so much better equipped now on how to to turn them into positives and see them for what they are and move forward. And because my father listened to you so much during that obviously difficult time in his life, he was a very interesting parent that gave my brother and me a gift, and that was he used to encourage us to fail. So Hmm. I would come home from school, and my dad would say, what have you guys failed at this week? And if we didn't have something, he'd be disappointed. And I'd come home home and say, you know, Dad, I I tried out for this, and I was horrible. And he'd go, way to go, and high-five me. And Hmm. that was just such a gift because it, it taught my brother and me early on that failure is is not trying versus the outcome. 
So, and there's a gift in everything. If you, if you, if I fail at something in life because of listening to you in the teachings, I recognize that it's life's way of nudging me and sort of mm. saying you're off course. Or, and in everything that I do, I learn. I meet someone new. I learn something new, and I'm less focused on the actual outcome and sort of what what's the enrichment in it. Mm. That's uh, that's exciting because the you know I used to always tell the story about Thomas Edison because uh, I I get up in Michigan and there's an Edison museum there and uh, there's a lot of uh, he was from that area as well and uh, he was attempting to invent a a, a, a light bulb some kind of a a, a a filament inside of it that would would burn and he had tried twenty five thousand that's what I was reading anyway they had tried twenty five thousand different combinations and he still couldn't get a thing, a filament that would continue to stay lit uh, and a reporter had asked him because he was one of the most famous inventors alive they asked him how does it feel he said uh, to have failed someone of your stature to have failed twenty five thousand times and um, I remember his response. So, well, I don't know if it's in that tape series or not, but it was, uh, he said, failure? He said, I don't really know what you're talking about. He said, today, I know 25,000 ways not to make a light bulb. <laughs> 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 I love that. It, it, yeah, I love that, too. And I, I also remember this, this story of, of a little boy, And because I, 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 I grew up in a series of foster homes and orphanages back in Michigan, and I can remember doing this very thing. And he had a... Uh, this little boy was walking on. He had a, ba- a baseball bat in his hand, and he had a, a ball in his uh, in, the, in the other hand. And he would take the ball and he would throw it up in the air. And then he would take his bat and he would swing at it. And he swing at it and he would miss it. And then he'd take the ball, he'd pick it up again, and he'd throw it up in the air and he'd swing at it again and he'd miss it. And finally, he took it up in the air and he threw it and he missed again. And he said, "What a pitcher!" <laughs> <laughs> Like if I can't hit it, I'm the I got to be the greatest right. pitcher in the world. I'm stri- I'm even striking myself out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, in addition to the principles that my dad sort of instilled on in us from listening, and I promise you, I was constantly listening to your series. I listened to How to Be a No Limit Person. Then I got so hooked, I had memorized all ten tapes. I thought, okay, choose your own greatness. What else has this man done? And and mm. then, I mean, everyone used to laugh at me. I was actually, you know, sixteen and seventeen years old and listening to. What do you really want for your children? Because I, mm. I wanted to get my hands on anything you had had done. Really? And, mm. Yeah, and every you know, my dad had that series, so I saw it in his house one day, and I said, "Dad, I want to take this." And I would drive around and listen to it. I'm 17 years old. What do I really want for my children? But <laughs> just you just had that kind of an impact on me, and um, and then the teaching of manifestation and visualization, and you know, I tell people this: I had visualized myself on Oprah. I had I had just it was just in my being. I knew I was mm-hmm. there, and I, I I called the next 10 to 12 years filling in the blanks. Like, I wanted to know what I was talking to her about. Mm. I couldn't wait to find out, but I was so clear in my visualization and in my snapshot of where I wanted to be and where I was going and kind of how my life, because I was selling fax machines door to door. When I cut really? the feet, yeah, when I cut the feet out of my mm. pantyhose, and I had never mm. taken a business class, I'd never worked in fashion or retail. I had five thousand dollars in savings from um, selling the fax machines, and I thought I had been visualizing and manifesting a different life for myself for so many years that I had already done the mental preparation. So the the day I cut the feet out of my pantyhose, I went off and took off with it, and said I looked up and literally almost like looked up at the universe and said, "Okay, thanks, got it. Here I go." Wow. 
And, mm. um, and so, because I meet women all the time who say, I've been cutting the feet out of my panties for years. Why, why didn't I do something with it? And I really just think for me, it was because I had been doing so much mental visualization and manifestation prior to it, asking for an idea. Right. I call this intention. I have, a, I don't know if you've read The Power of Intention or if you're familiar with that. I listened with, uh, to it, that, yes. Yeah. And it's, uh, an intention is, is not, uh, I always tell people intention isn't something that we do. It's uh, it's something that we connect to. Did you ever get the sense that there was? Uh, well, let me ask. Go back on this a second. I, my own evolvement has gone from how to be a no limit person way back in the 1970s when I wrote that into the kind of work that I'm doing now, which is uh, I don't know if you've seen. We sent you wishes fulfilled and uh, yes. a spiritual solution to mm -hmm. every problem and excuses because and and it's it's moved away from me as being the person who's responsible for doing all of this to myself as a piece of God who is uh, reconnecting to something that is so grand and so great. And it's um, and, and therefore, when I'm connected to it, it supports me rather than I'm the one who's doing all of that. Have you, have you had any of that sense since you were 16? And now that what are you now? 40, 41? Is 41. Yeah, just turned 41. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, we're we're you know, when you're when you're on the path and you're listening to your inner voice and moving in the direction of intention, things fall into place that you can't even believe. And, mm. uh, and, and tell us and, how they fell into place for you. You, uh, you had, uh, from what I'm told, uh, you grew up, was it in Georgia? Is that where you grew up? I grew in? up on Clearwater beach, Florida. In Florida. Yep. Okay. And then, and after you, and so you, you had these years of uh, filling in the, in the blanks, as you said, and then something, something went off inside. You cut off the, uh, you cut off the feet of your pantyhose, but you also had to do more than just cut, cut off, uh, some pantyhose. You had what, a few thousand dollars is all you had. And you didn't have anybody giving you any, nobody came along and said, here, I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to finance this for you or anything like that. Tell us, tell the, on, on all the listeners out there, and there's, there's hundreds of thousands of them listening uh, right now, um, what, uh, what steps that, uh, you know, that, that you took that brought you to this place where you just had this absolute knowing that you were on the right path? Well, um, you know, after I cut the feet out of my pantyhose, I, I, did, I just went on the Internet and started looking up hosiery mills and just, I wrote my own patent. I couldn't afford the patent attorneys. They wanted between three and five grand to write mm -hmm. the patent, so I went to Barnes and Noble and bought it. But I think my guy. Wait a minute. That's really what you just said is really important. Uh, you know, the people get stuck with these obstacles all the time. They just say, "Well, you have to have an attorney, or if you if you if you can't, you can't do it this way, there's only one way to do it." But there's always like there's something inside of you driving you that's saying, "I can do this my own way. I, I can. I don't need anybody else to tell me how to do it." No, I don't, you know, and I, I feel like everyone has some rare uniqueness in them, and I find that not knowing how it was done before became my greatest gift because it ensured me I was going to do it different. And when you do things different, you're adding something new to the world. You're, you're, you're offering your uniqueness. And so because I've been listening to your tapes for so long, I, I had this inner confidence that, you know, I heard the word no for two years when, when I was trying to get it made from the manufacturers in North Carolina. I mean, everyone said, we don't get it. It doesn't make sense. This isn't a good idea. And so... Um, 
so I really. But you, you had, you had some, something was going on inside of you that said, this is not just a good idea. This is an idea that I'm not going to, I'm just not going to let it, uh, I'm not going to let it go. Well, I had an, you're right. I did. I had an inner knowing. I mean, mm. I, I mean, Wayne, I saw my own rear end in the mirror with and without mm-hmm. it. I knew it worked. <laughs> it really made a difference. So I, I believed in my product idea, mm-hmm. and I believed in, I believed so much I had been writing down in my journal and manifesting that I wanted to be self-employed. I wanted to um, invent something or create a product that I could sell that I loved because I've been selling fax machines door-to-door, day in and day out for, for seven years. And I just, I just knew in my core that my life was going to be different. If you would like to hear more of Dr. Dyer's radio show, tune in to HayHouseRadio.com. To find out more about Dr. Wayne Dyer or any other Hay House author, please visit HayHouse.com. Thank you for listening.